0: If you have your Bible, turn with me. We're going to be in two places. You may be seated. We're going to be in Romans. I want you to turn first with me to Romans chapter 1. and We're only going to be there briefly, and then I want you to put your finger at Psalm 136, and uh, which I understand Chuck actually uh, t- taught a lesson from Psalm 136 last Sunday in our Bible study time. And so uh, the reality is as you're, as you're turning... <clears throat> The strong and uncertain winds of 2021 continue to blow on the just and the unjust, right? They continue to blow. It's uncertain what's going to take place today or tomorrow. And uh, the reality is there are people who are struggling physically today, who Larry has just mentioned in prayer. There are people who are struggling emotionally. People are struggling mentally with everything that's been going on over the past couple of years Uh, People are struggling financially because of mandates and because of lost jobs and because of the economy and because of the way things are headed. People are struggling spiritually as a result as well and that's why it's so important that we stay connected to Christ and uh, the reality is uh, he is in charge. He has not abdicated his throne, he's aware of all the things that are taking place and uh, what's crazy to me is it seems like everywhere I go that stores and restaurants and stadiums, has anybody watched uh, any portion of a sporting event recently? They are filled to capacity. Stores, on the day after Thanksgiving, we're hustling and bustling with shoppers, restaurants, you have to call ahead, To get a seat or you're going to wait the reality is all of these places seem to be marked as safe spaces in the midst of this so-called pandemic that is going on and i'm not making light of the covid virus that is wrapping around and the reality is that people are wanting to get out and do life and they're grateful for the fact that they can go to a restaurant they can go to a store they can go see a football game And watch the Washington football team beat up on the Buccaneers or the Carolina Panthers. Or maybe you want to go tomorrow night and see the hapless Washington football team beat up on the Seattle Seahawks. That's your decision. I encourage you to have fun while you're watching your team lose. (laughs) But I digress. Because the stores are filled, the restaurants are filled, stadiums are filled... I saw a snapshot from one of our families that was able to make a trip down for a little vacation. I saw that even Disney World is filled. Meanwhile, places of worship... Uh Uh-oh. Meanwhile, places of worship continue to see startling statistics. Startling statistics concerning the declining worship habits of those who actually profess to be born-again Christians. In fact, while I was in Alabama... Uh, Dr. Ira Walton, he shared this uh, recent research with me. It reveals that more than 4,000, listen to this, 4,000 churches closed their doors in 2020 in this country. 4,000 churches closed their door, and are you ready for this? Over 20,000 pastors left the pastorate. The research shows that 50% more... Pastors are contemplating the same decision. And so I believe that uh, at the heart of this new, and let me use this phrase lightly, spiritual pandemic that we seem to be facing is certainly a lack of understanding. I believe there's a little bit of a lack of faith, but I also believe in lack of commitment or whatever. We could go on and on. But I believe at the core of the problem is a lack of gratitude. It's a lack of thankfulness. It's a lack of understanding of who God is and who we are. And oddly enough, look with me in Romans chapter 1 because Romans chapter 1 actually points uh, to this problem years and years ago, obviously. And, uh, And it still seems to plague many today. That's why I want us to go to Romans chapter 1. But I want you to notice before I look at the problem, I want you to notice what it says in verse number 17. Because in Romans 1 and verse number 17, that verse actually ends by saying the just, or those who have been justified by their faith, those who have been considered uh, sinless just as if they never sinned. Here's what the Bible says. It says the just shall actually live by what? Say that out. Say faith. Faith. You're like, is this... this play a long time. No, I just want us to understand the just shall live by faith. In fact, we know from scripture. And the reality is we have to ask ourselves this question. Do we live by faith today? And every one of us have to answer that. Are are we living by faith or are we living our lives according to what the evening news tells us? Are we living by faith or are we living according to what? The doctors tell us, are we living by faith? Are we we living in a way that uh, is consistent with somebody who maybe doesn't even know Christ? See, it's pretty important for the just to live by faith. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 in verse number 1 describes faith as being the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And if you're to read on in verse number 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible... The Bible says impossible. It's impossible to actually please God. And so there's, there's a reality that we have to exercise faith. But unfortunately, what I found in 2020, especially in 2021, and 2020 and 2021, is that fear and anxiety are holding many believers captive. I'm fearful. Listen, I understand fear. You say, have you ever been fearful? Yes, I struggled with fear when I was a little boy. And you guys, please don't make light of it because there's a lot of people who struggle with this. But when I was a little kid, I used to struggle with the fear of darkness as a kid. And some, I see people shaking their head. As a kid, I would be put to bed. And I remember, and I've told this story years ago, I remember sometimes turning my feet sideways. In the bed and laying as flat as I could, I remember putting the pillow over my head. I remember pulling up the covers as clean and as neat as possible. And I was laying as, and I was just a little kid. And so I was very small. Some of you are shaking your head because you've probably done this. I was scared of the dark. I was scared that the the burglar or the boogeyman was going to get me. After all, I figured he'd want to get me instead of my brother. My brother was in the bed right beside me. I don't know what my what was going on in my head, but I was scared to death. And I remember sometimes even getting out of my bed. And the fear was so great that I would get out of my bed and I would crawl under the bed. And lay under the bed. Fear is a real thing. And I believe a lot of people are letting fear and anxiety dictate the day. And folks, I'm not against being educated. I'm not against being smart. We need to be smart. We need to be educated. But fearful, we do not need to be feared. fearful. We need to walk in faith. But back to the text. Because Romans chapter 1, that was just a little short little thing. Romans chapter 1, look at verse number 18 and following. Because here's where I think we see a problem that plagued the people back then. That I think actually still plagues us now. Look at verse number 18 and following. And the Bible says that the wrath of God, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse folks we are without excuse we can clearly see God's hand in the creation of this universe amen we can clearly see it now watch verse 21 because that when they knew God watch it they glorified him not as God neither were what? Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Look at verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became what? They became fools. Folks, I believe there's a lot of people running around doing this. There's a lot of people professing themselves to be wise, but as I said in the Sunday school hour, the wisdom of the world, the Bible says, is foolishness with God. And so we must walk in faith. We must be thankful. Second Timothy chapter 3, and I'll flip there. You can stay where you're at. Go, but be- In fact, Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, I read this about a little bit over a month ago, a month and a half or so ago. In verse number 1 and following, listen, this echoes exactly what was said in Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 1. This know also, this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents what's the next one unthankful unholy without natural affection truce breakers false accusers incontinent fierce despisers of those that are good traitors heady high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God look at verse number five having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof folks We have a problem that's running rampant. People are lovers of their own selves today. I love me, myself, and I, therefore I'm going to serve me, me, myself, and I. Instead of, I love the Lord thy God, so I'm going to worship Him, I'm going to serve Him, I'm going to praise Him, I'm going to give thanks to Him day in and day out. Instead of that being the focal point, the focal point has become, I love myself too much, and because I love myself, I'm unthankful for what God has done in my life in fact I'm not even unthankful I'm just kind of indifferent I don't even think about what God has done in my life why because the focus is on me myself and I therefore I'm a lover of pleasure focused on me myself and I more than I am a lover of God therefore I have a problem with gratitude and so the title of the message today is why should we give thanks why why give thanks at all? I mean, we look around and we see what's taking place. Pastor, there's not a lot to be thankful for. I would beg to differ. I would beg to differ. You say, well, um, you know, gas is $3.19.29 and cents a gallon. Guys, can I remind you of something? It was $3.19 before. We already went through this. It was already $3.00 and it got a lot higher than 319. You remember we, we had the gas buy downs down here, down in the street, where we'd buy the price of gas down for people. This is nothing new. Uh, my turkey costs more. I think it costs more than a dollar more. But anyway, the turkey costs more. And this costs more. And gas is more. And the heating bill is going to be more. And, and if we're not careful, we get so focused on all the doom and the gloom and the negative and the, and the naysayers that we forget to look up and say, God, you are worthy to be praised. Look at Psalm 136. Go back with me to Psalm 136. Oddly enough, as you're turning there to Psalm 136, the psalm has been referred to as a hallelujah psalm. It's a hallelujah psalm. And you say, why is it referred to as a hallelujah psalm? Well, the reality is it's a hallelujah psalm because there's no requests. There's no requests, there's no complaints, there's no problems. Instead, it's just a list of moments down through history where God has worked. And so look with me, beginning in the first few verses, right away the psalmist pleads with God's people to give thanks. Now notice verses 1, 2, and 3. The Bible says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endureth forever. Sadly, we live in a time, much like the children of Israel, by the way, we live in a time when we have... Uh, We have by our own design, I would say by our own design, we've created, we've enabled, and we've actually maintained all sorts of little gods, all sorts of little idols, right? And we set them around in our life. We have the idol of materialism. We set that over here. We have the idol of whatever. And family's not bad, but sometimes if we make our family the idol, it gets out of track. It gets off whack, right? Right? And so we've got this little idol here, we've got this little idol, and we've got this little God over here that we serve Monday through Saturday, and then we turn around and we want to serve the one true God on Sunday. It doesn't work. And it didn't work with the children of Israel. But this is what we do. But notice the first three verses. Because in the first three verses, the psalmist says that you and I, why should we give thanks? He says, we ought to give thanks because the Lord is good. Secondly, he's the God of gods, and he's the Lord of lords. In other words, the psalmist starts by saying, he's all you need. I thought I'd get a bigger response out of that. Go figure. The psalmist said, give thanks because he's good, because he's the God of gods, and he's the Lord of lords. He's all you need. If you need some other god, there's a problem. If you need some other little idol, there's a problem. This is why the psalmist says it should be pretty evident why we should give thanks. Our God is the omnipotent. That means all-powerful. He's the omniscient, all-knowing. He's the omnipresent. He's everywhere, supreme being of the universe, and he's good. He's not only, I put down, he's not only the source of goodness, he's the sustainer of goodness, he's the perfecter of goodness, and he's the rewarder of goodness. That's a lot of good, and I'm out of breath. He's good. He's good. So we should give Him thanks. Not only should we trust Him, but we should be constantly bowing before Him in gratitude and praise and worship. Notice in verse number 2 and 3, I, I, I want to make a point out of this because it does not say that He is a God of gods or a Lord of lords. Look at it. It says He is the God of gods and He is the Lord of lords. There's none like Him. Folks, if there is any power, Watch this, if there's any power in heaven or in earth that is worthy of, watch this, a title or some type of position, the reality is, if there is, and I'm not suggesting there are because there's one God and one God alone, but if there's somebody who thinks they're worthy of some title or some position, the reality is, our Lord is the God of them. He's in charge of them. He has oversight of them. He has dominion and authority over them. In fact, their existence, just like ours, is dependent upon Him. Oh, my goodness, we should give thanks because He's good. He's the God of gods and He's the Lord of lords. All throughout this psalm, there's an answering chorus that goes along. And in the King James Version, it says... His mercy endures forever. So it says in verse number one, like watch this. It says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. And then there's a colon. Why? See, I always say, why do we say this? Uh, If you see a colon, ask the question why. So it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. But I want you to notice what some other versions of Scripture say, because when you do a study of the Hebrew, here's, it's incredible. The King James says his mercy endures forever. The CSB actually says his faithful love endures forever. The NASB says his loving kindness is everlasting. And the ESV says that his steadfast love, that means it's unmovable. It never changes. His steadfast love endures forever. Oh, the Hebrew word, translated as love, speaks of a loyal love. How many would like to have a loyal love in your life? Yeah, a loyal love, a faithful love, a covenant love. And in fact, it's a love, I put down in my notes, it's a love that lasts because it's based on an unbreakable commitment. Can I tell you that it's been my experience in life as sad as it may be, it's been my experience that people will let you down on occasion. Anybody ever had that experience? All right, now wives, I'm going to give you a chance. Husbands, close your eyes. Watch, I'll participate. Wives, on occasion, your husband may have let you down. Am I right? All right, wives, now you close your eyes. Because I want the guys to feel a- a- at ease about their, you know, because if a guy says that the wife's left, it's over. There's no Sunday, anything after service. Guys on occasion, now I know someone's going to say, no, my wife has never let me down. My wife has never sinned. She's never done anything. No, she's perfect. Right, okay. Okay. <laughs> See, you're already getting nervous. See, the guys get so much more nervous. The women are like, oh yeah, that's right, he let me down. He let me down every day. I have to remind him how blessed he is. The guys, when even I start to pose the question to the guys, guys start getting, like, what's going on? Is he going to ask me if my wife really has done something? Yeah, guys, there have been times, I'm guessing that your wife has let you down. Hey, young people, I know you're going to get real excited about this. I'm just going to be honest, because I once was a young person. There are times when you probably feel in your heart of hearts that mom and dad have let you down. But I'm guessing, while I'm talking to you guys, while I'm guessing that might be true, I'm guessing if you're honest with yourself, you could say there have been times that you let mom and dad down. You want to know who will never let you down? He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes because he's an unchangeable God. That's who we should give thanks to. The God who never changes. The God who loves us. The God, in fact, someone has said it this way. I love this. Someone said that God cannot not love his children. Now think about that. God cannot not love his children scripture tells us that God's love endures in other words it goes on and on and on it outlasts every and anything that we may face whether it's physical or whether it's spiritual whatever his love keeps on going and you're going to be able to tell that I watched the shark tank a time or two it goes on into perpetuity that means it just keeps on rolling When we cease to exist physically in this life, his faithful love endures. When we we go to meet him in the air, his faithful love endures. When you're down here and you feel like the world is beating the heck out of you, his faithful love endures. When things aren't going right at the job, his faithful love endures. When you lose a loved one, you lose a family member, you lose a friend, you love, lose a coworker, you lose a neighbor, his faithful love endures forever. It just keeps on rolling. Nothing changes it. Nothing subsides it. Nothing distinguishes it. He continues to love you and me. Why? Because he's good. Because he's the God of gods. And because he's the Lord of lords. That's who he is. Oh, we should give thanks because no matter what we face, his faithful love endures forever. In verse 4, look at verse 4. It says that he alone does all of these great wonders. And if you read on through the rest of Psalm 136, and we'll not read it all for time's sake, but if you read the rest of Psalm 136, it's simply a survey of God's faithfulness. That's why we sang, Great is His Faithfulness. It's a survey of God's faithfulness all down through history, all the way back. If you look at verse number 5, it goes all the way back to creation. Because verse 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 are talking about creation. It's literally a parallel of Genesis chapter 1. And look at verse number 5. It begins by telling us that he, by wisdom, made the heavens. That's crazy. A lot of people, I read this article, a guy was, a commentary, and a guy was talking about that he actually believed in the Big Bang Theory. Now, a lot of people, you you study creation, and just hang on with me. He said, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. My belief is that God said it, that settled it, and it came to being. That was the Big Bang he was talking about. He wasn't talking about some kind of evolutionary explosion. He was talking about that God spoke, and the worlds were formed. In verses 6 through 9, the Bible speaks of God's creative power regarding the earth, the seas, the sun, the moon, the stars. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 puts it this way by saying, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. If you and I leave God out of the creation process, we're in trouble. If, if, If you leave God out... Of the creative process, you're in trouble. Because then you start to question, who am I? Where did I come from? How did I get here? See, it's so important. Genesis 1 through Genesis chapter 11. I encourage you to read it and to really understand the creative process. In verses 10 through 15, notice here the psalmist celebrates the amazing series of miracles orchestrated and accomplished by God to free his children from the Egyptian bondage. Look at verse number 10. And I'm just going to read the first part of these verses. Look at verse 10. It says, To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn. Verse 11, And brought out Israel from among them. Verse 12, With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. To him, verse 13, Which divided the Red Sea into parts. Verse number 14, and made Israel to pass through the midst of it all, but overthrew, verse number 15, overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. Folks, I don't know about you, but if you've never had a Red Sea experience, I can't imagine a greater experience to praise God about. You look back and you see your enemies on your tail, and God says, Hey man, put that staff, you remember that stick I gave you? Put it in the water. Here's what's going to happen. When you pop it in the water, man, the sea is going to divide, and it's going to go up like walls. Now, have you ever been outside after it rains? You ever been outside after it rains, it gets kind of muddy? You think the ground would be kind of muddy and soggy, right? There in the sea, and God separates the sea, the Red Sea, and the children of Israel go through. No, they went through as on dry ground. That's the power and the love of our God. He does amazing, incredible things. And the good news for us today is the reminder that our great God has no problems defeating our enemies. He's not concerned about our enemies as much as we are because he can take care of them all. And by the way, he doesn't need my help. We pray and we seek his face and we ask him to do his will. We are to give thanks for the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. But he doesn't need my help to defeat my enemies. He doesn't need your help to defeat your enemies. He's God, a very God. He is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's able to distinguish all of our foes. Oh, listen, the only ask that God has for us is that you and I actually take time to acknowledge Him with grateful hearts, that we would actually take time to give Him thanks. So why should we give thanks again, I say? Because His faithful love endures forever. In verse number 16, I love this. One verse in verse number 16, sums up 40 years of wilderness wandering in one verse. That's incredible, you think. Man, there's a lot going on out in the wilderness. But in one verse, notice what verse 16 says. It says, "...to him which led his people through the wilderness." Now you think about it, we talked about it not too long ago, you think about what's going on in the wilderness. We got manna and quail, we got water from the rock, we got Balaam and his talking donkey, we got Moses on Mount Sinai, we got the golden calf, Kadesh Barnea, the twelve spies, the bitter water turns sweet. We know that from scripture. We talk about the the bones in the desert, uh, complaining, murmuring, the challenges to Moses' leadership. On and on you could go with all the things. And here's what verse 16 says. Look at it again. It says, to him which led his people through the wilderness. And then it goes on, his mercy endureth forever. That's why we should give him thanks. You see, God was the one doing the leading. And you know what the people's job to do was? That's right, somebody said to follow. He does the leading, we do the following. That's why it's so important. By the way, nothing has changed. Back then, God led his children through the desert, not around it. Do you know that geography suggests that there was probably an easier way to get to the land of Canaan? There was probably a better, theoretically, in our minds as we look at it, we're like, oh, why didn't they just go over here? You know, the straightest distance between two points is a straight line. Why did we go over here? Why did we go through the desert and all this and on and on? He led them through the desert for a purpose. The reality is sometimes, and by the way, that journey was difficult. That was a difficult journey. Remember, just a few days out, they're hungry. They're, they're, their portions run out. They, they're, they're thirsty, and then their portions run out about a month in, and so then they cry out again, and God sends them quail. He sends them manna, and then quail, and on and on. So it was a hard journey. It was a difficult journey. And the reality is that our journey, too, may be difficult at times. You may have to go through some tough terrain in this life. But the reality is if we will follow the leading of the Lord, if we will pay attention and we will follow His word and His commands and His directives, we'll do a better job of coming through this journey of life. Just as He was with the children of Israel, then He will be with us now. Look at verse 17. 17 to 22, the psalmist refreshes our memory concerning the incredible stories, again, of God's faithfulness, again, with the defeats of Sion and Og. And you can read this story in Numbers chapter 21. They're wanting to go through the land, and the, Sion, the king, says no, and so he comes up against Israel. Sorry, Charlie, you lose. Then the king Og, he comes up against the children of Israel. Sorry, Charlie, you lose too. And so even when Israel, watch this, even when Israel was failing miserably. Even when they were steeped in sin, even when they were not giving praise and glory and thanks to God, God never gave up on them. That ought to be good news for each and every one of us. Who sometimes we fail miserably. Sometimes we don't give God the glory. Sometimes we don't pay attention to his word or his leading in our lives. And just as he was with the children of Israel, he will be with us. We have the authority of God's word to remind us that God is a good God. He is the God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. And he will be with you and he will be with me. No matter, watch, no matter how horrible we can sometimes be. Why? Because he's good. This is what he did with the children of Israel. Oh, listen, despite their sin, their unbelief, and their repeated failures, He never gave up in our past. I want to remind you that your past does not determine your future in Jesus Christ, but because with God, all things are possible. His mercy, His love, and His kindness, they endure for how long? For how long? I want you to remind yourself when you walk out those doors today that His mercy, His love, and His kindness, they endure for how long? By the way, if that's not enough for you to give thanks, he say, why should we give thanks if that's not enough? I mean, I mean, we didn't really read the whole passage. But if that's not enough, I want you to look at verse 23, 24, and 25. Because the psalmist wraps up with a final trio of reasons to give thanks. And in verse 23, he says, who remembered us in our lowest state? For his mercy or his faithful love endures forever. In verse 24, and hath redeemed us from our enemies. For his mercy or faithful love endures forever. Who giveth food to all flesh. For his mercy or faithful love endureth forever. God loved and remembered us, you and I, by sending his son to die on the cross. If he did nothing else, by the way, he didn't even have to do that. But he did. Because he loved you because he loved me. What an amazing God we serve. Oh, he loved us. He remembered us by sending his son. There in verse number 24, the Bible talks about the fact that he redeemed us. Our God loved and redeemed us. In fact, that word actually speaks of delivering us. Delivering us from our enemies. Have you ever had an enemy? Anybody ever had an enemy in the workplace? Anyone that sought to put you down? To take you out? Anybody have enemy at school? You ever get bullied at school? Right? I used to stick up for people who got bullied. I'll be honest with you. It used to break my heart. I remember I was telling, I think I was telling Larry and some of the guys on the trip, I remember getting into, uh, we were looking out the window at uh, Iris Church and the, the playground and I saw this contraption. I don't know, what do they call that? Does anybody, the guys that were on that trip, remember? It's like, like, there's like a climbing apparatus. It looks like the side of the moon. And you kind of climb up over it and over. And I remember that they had one of these when I was in second grade down here in Springfield, Virginia. I went to Garfield Elementary School there in Old Keen Mill Road. And I remember I was out on that thing one day and a a kid uh, was picking on a little girl. It was second grade, and I got into a fight with him. (laughs) And uh, we were both in trouble. We were both in trouble. I was scared to death. I was like, oh, Lord, they're going to call my parents. My dad's going to come, and he's going to lay down the long arm of the law and all these things. And I was sitting there with this kid in the office. <laughs> and he was like, why did, you, why did you start the fight? I said, you started the fight because you were talking ugly to this girl. And I said, you don't treat girls like that. And so I was sticking up. I was sticking up for him. Out of the blue, here comes my teacher. And she walks into the principal's office and she comes out. This is a good little story to remember. She comes out and I'm sitting there and she says, Greg, come on. And I got up. I had no clue of what was going on. And so instantly I got out of trouble. And I, and I kind of did one of these. Like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't know what was going on. She said, come on. She said, I said, I have to see the principal. She said, no, you're done. You're done. When I got back to the room, I realized what had happened. The little girl that I stuck up for, she went and she told the teacher, she said, the only reason Greg did what he did is because this boy was picking on me. (laughs) Man, I wanted to give God some glory that day. Folks, God loved us and redeemed us from our enemies, the greatest enemy of which is sin. He bought us back, purchased our freedom on the cross of Christ, took away the greatest enemy that you and I could ever face. If you've never trusted him, by the way, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, know this, that he loved you so much that he died for your sins. And all you have to do is believe it, believe it, who He is, and receive that free gift. What an amazing thing. How easy is it that God would provide this for us? But verse 25 says that He also loves and refreshes us. He feeds us every day. And what God did for ancient Israel, He continues to do for His children everywhere, all the time, and in every situation. Why? Because His faithful love endures forever notice psalm 36 ends with a general call to praise god look at verse 26 tells us to praise god at all times by saying oh give thanks unto the god of heaven for his mercy or faithful love endures forever folks what happens to you and what happens to me matters i want you to know it's not that it doesn't matter it's okay it matters what happens to you it's okay it matters what happens to me but what is greater than what happens to us is how you and I point people to Jesus, and how you and I glorify God in the hard times as well as the good times. Why do we give thanks? Because his faithful love endures forever. As we close this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something different. Now I'm going to ask for your participation. All right So this is a participation sport. If you have a piece of paper or your phone, Or you can grab one of those prayer cards right in front of you. Do it right now. Grab your phone. Grab a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil or something. And I want you to write down something. And Maybe you put it in your notes on your phone. And I'm not real technologically savvy. But I'm sure some of you guys can create a background uh, screen for your phone and put this on it. But I want you to write these words down. Please. Participate because I think it'll do us all good as we head into Christmas and as we head into a new year filled with new opportunities. Everybody, ready to write this down? You ready for the phrase? The guy's already got it on the screen. Write that down. His faithful love endures forever. Just write it down on your phone. Seriously, guys. I know some of you are looking at me, I will not do it. I will not participate in this crazy insanity. I am, I am here and I'm not going to do it. I'm telling you this will be good for you. There will be a day when you need to look at this. There will come a time when I will not be shouting in your ear that his faithful love endures forever. And I want this to be a reminder to you when you're facing physical problems. When you're going through emotional valley. When you're dealing with something mentally uh, or, or financially, or spiritually. I want you to be able to look at this and remind yourself that His faithful, our God's faithful love endures forever. Everybody write it down on something? Did everybody write it down on something? All right. Now here's what I want you to do. Ah, that's okay. When you leave, you can call me crazy or whatever. You can call me crazy right now. I don't care. Here's what I want you to do. I want us to recite it together. Say it with me. His faithful love endures forever. Say it again. His faithful love endures forever. Say it one more time. His faithful love endures forever. And I want you to do what's necessary. Because you know how we teach children? We teach children by repetition. Do we have any teachers or, or soon-to-be teachers out here? You're going to teach a child his, his multiplic- multiplication table. You know, one through nine. Man, I can, I can work those puppies out. And that's easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? Right? And Chris and I were actually we found something on the phone not too long ago that shows different ways to do multiplication and division and subtract. We were like, "What? What is this?" We never saw anything like this. But that's how we teach kids. And so what I want you to do is I want you to look at this. I want you to memorize this. I want this to become a part of your life because the Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, the psalmist said. And so every day when you feel like you're beaten down, when things seem like they're at their worst, I want you to pull this out and I want you to remind yourself that God's word says that his faithful love endures forever. And when you feel like giving up, anybody ever felt like giving up? Because I have. Anybody? Anybody? You ever felt like giving up? I was reading that statistic, and it said that over 20,000 pastors left the ministry last year alone, and that 50% or more of them were contemplating the same thing. My wife, if she were honest, would tell you that over the past eight years, over the past eight years, I have resigned probably a 100 times on Monday morning in my head. I said, "What are we doing? What are we doing? What is this doing? What are, we, what are we doing, God?" It's important that we remind ourselves that His faithful love endures forever. Oh, listen! When your loved one needs cheering up, you point them to Jesus, and you say, "You know what, bro? God's faithful love endures forever." when you're struggling, when that dirty devil, here's another one, when the dirty devil tries to lie to you and tell you that God is not good, you just smack him back in the face and say, guess what, devil, get behind me, because his love endures forever. Why should we give thanks? Seems pretty easy to me, because his faithful love endures forever. No matter what we face, no matter what we go through, through the ups, the downs, the ins and the outs, His faithful love endures forever. Psalm 30 and verse number 4 says, Sing unto the Lord, O you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. In Psalm 92 and verse number 1, the Bible says, It is good, it is good to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto His name, O Most High. And so if you're able, I'd like to ask you to stand one more time and take that hymn book. We're going to sing one verse Guys, we're only going to sing the first verse of this. Take your hymn book and turn with me to page 177. 177. We're going to sing this song. And I believe that this will be good for each and every one of us. And I want to encourage you, sing it from the top of your lungs so that God can hear us today. On verse 1 of Praise Him, Praise Him. Let Him hear our praise today. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O oh His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to His holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard His children. In his arms he carries them all day long. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent great name. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. that reminds us that you are not only good, that you're not only the God of gods, the Lord of lords, God, we're reminded that you remember us. Lord, we're reminded that you are the one who has redeemed us and delivered us. You are the one who refreshes us and feeds us daily. Lord, you're the one whose mercy and love and goodness are new and fresh each and every morning. God, may we be reminded, may we be encouraged today. As we've already celebrated Thanksgiving in our homes and other places, God, may we be reminded today of your loving kindness and your faithful love, God, that it endures, not just today, but forever and forever. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here, somebody watching who's never trusted in that great love, God, I pray that they would seek me out after this service, God, that they would call, they would text, they would do whatever is necessary if they have questions, that I might be able to show them from your word how that they could know that they could have a home in heaven simply by placing their faith in Christ. Lord, we thank you for the day that we've had, although different, very, very special, I believe. God, I pray that you'll dismiss us with your blessing, and God, you'll be honored as we gather together on Wednesday and next Sunday as we begin to focus our celebration on that season of Advent when you first came to earth as a little baby. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for what you've done today and how you saw fit to see us through this wonderful service today. We give you the praise as we go our separate way for it's in Jesus' precious and powerful name that we pray and for his sake, amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.